um, my, my sermon is titled Power Dads, and I was uh, thinking of a sermon uh, that I could give that would be encouraging to, to um, dads, but really to everyone. It's one of those things that I'm going to use the word dad more often than I normally would, but um, it really applies to everyone, so just so you know. So my, the video we showed was really to, to show, to demonstrate that, um, that dads don't have an easy job and we don't always do it well. Do you know, you'll notice some of those were like the dad caused the situation that he saved the child from as well. So that's, you know, but we're working on things. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, you know, to keep it together and make it work. Um, there are different qualities that we could talk about that are important for dads. I think um, one that is kind of universal that most people or men at least would agree with is that strength is like one of those things that we're looking for in a dad. My, I, I overheard a conversation last week um, between my boys and Lauren, and I heard the word six-pack, and I heard the word dad, and I heard the word swimming. And so after I went to Lauren, I was like, what was that conversation about? She said, all oh, the boys were talking. Elijah said one of his friends at school, his dad has a six-pack. And he asked, does dad have a six-pack? I said, so what did you say, Lauren? How did you defend my honor? <laughs> that I have a one-pack. How did you explain that? And she said, I told him you're a fast swimmer. I was like, thank you, my beautiful, awesome wife. She's sick today. She just can't be here. But I was like, oh, thank you so much, you know. But I just don't think it's quite as compelling to have a dolphin dad as like a muscular dad. I don't, I don't think it is a, is a good trade-off, but that was the case for us. And the struggle and the consequent insecurity of strength. Am I strong enough? This is like the thing we... We battle and we, we wrestle with. And there's that song years and years ago, Sheryl Crow, Are you strong enough to be my man? Do you remember that song, some of you? So that, I think that question is the question we wrestle with. Am I strong enough? Am I going to be strong enough? And what does that mean to be strong? And uh, our passage today uh, isn't written actually to dads or even to men. It's written to everybody. So I thought in that sense we could apply it, especially to dads and men, but... Um, it's really for everyone. So every point I make is, you can steal them all if you're willing. Um, so Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21 is our passage this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. I will read it though. So if you don't, that's okay. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And it's Paul who's writing and he's, um, he's writing like a prayer, basically. He says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly 
then all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's a good passage. It's a good one. You can think on it for a long time. Um, My big idea this morning is that the strength to be great, the strength to be great comes from God's power at work within us. And my three points, I've got three points. My three points are three dad nicknames that we're going for. Three dad qualities, and I've titled the qualities by nickname so that you will not forget what I said today. If you go somewhere else, if you go to your dad's lunch, if you stay here for a barbecue and then you have whatever your things are, that you would remember what our three things are. So the first one is Captain Ninja. Okay? They're not up there. Don't look up there. Captain Ninja. The second one is Love Muffin. Love Muffin. And the third one is Mr. Beer Belly. Lauren was not a fan of that one. But I went with it anyway. Captain Ninja, Love Muffin, and Mr. Beer Belly. Okay? Just work with me. You can do it. Oh, it's weird. So Captain Ninja, this is what we're, I think, like dads are striving to become Captain Ninja. I started watching this show called American Ninja. Has anyone heard of it? It's, not, it's been on a long time, I guess. I just found out about it and started watching it. It's this show where these people do these incredible obstacles. And um, yeah, so that's what the show is. They do these obstacles and they're competing for a time. That's the thing. So it's a little bit compelling to watch. I realized, though, before I watched this show, I thought I was a pretty strong person. I was like, yeah, I'm strong, you know. I'm the one in my family who opens the jars. I can do some push-ups, you know. I do some swim. I swim some laps, you know. I'm pretty, I'm strong, I'm strong. Now, as I started watching this show, I realized something. That if we put me and these people into the same chart and graph, and we put these people at a 10, because they should be at a 10, based on their agility and strength, I would be about a two based on like me doing those obstacles the way they do them. I would be like a two. I, maybe I could do the first one. I don't even know. Maybe, but probably not. And I realized something that I need strength. I'm looking for strength. I want to be strong. That's, my, that's what I want. And the, the first thing I, I run into is like, where am I going to get strength from? Is it going to be from working out, exercising? How do we get strong? Where do we get strength from? And Paul answers this for us. He says, according to the riches of his glory. According to the riches of his glory. Paul's prayer is that we would connect our account with our father's account. And if you pictured it like bank accounts, it would be like, you know, I'm working day to day. I'm trying to pay my bills. I get my paycheck. I'm trying to work it all out. It would be like connecting that to the riches of his glory. And connecting my account to his account. And instead of withdrawing from my account, I'm withdrawing from his account. That's where we're getting the power to live from. from the, according to the riches of his glory. Now, in my family growing up, I don't know if this is true of everyone, but I kind of think it's like a genera- generality about dads, is that in our family growing up, if you wanted to get a treat, you should go to dad. That's how it worked. Dad was the one you should ask first because you have a better chance of getting a good answer. And this really came home to me when 
Uh, my mom got sick and she ended up going, being in the hospital. Because here's the thing. My mom thought of like plain Cheerios as a sugar cereal. Rice Krispies, that was a sugar cereal to my mom. Non-sugar cereal, that was like shredded wheat. Super healthy for you. And like puffies and like things that just, you know, they're just not sugar cereal, right? And then like the step up was like plain Cheerios. So when my mom got sick and she went into the hospital, we were like devastated. And then dad bought Captain Crunch. (laughs) We were like, whoa, this is a whole new level. Like dad without mom is Captain Crunch. You know, and on the ferry, we lived in Victoria, where we'd travel on the ferry, it was like, you go to dad to see if he'll get some toffee, because I think he wants it too, right? So there's a good chance he might get some toffee if you ask dad, you know? This is the deal. Now, in all of those, like, treat, asking, and ice cream, whatever the thing was, the, what I realized is I never went to my dad and thought about how much money he had that was never in the process of me getting that treat. What was in there was, I'm going to ask him, and I'm, if he wants to do it, he's going to do it. There was no sense of like, does he have enough money? What's his bank account? Hey, Dad, how's the money doing? And my parents, they weren't rolling in the box, but there was never a sense in which I thought my father couldn't provide what I needed. And it's the same principle. Colossians 1 verse 11 says, Paul writes, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. This is where we get it from. Where? From his account. His glorious might. According to his glorious riches. That's where we're getting it. Now the next question would be, well, how do we get that? How do we access it? And Paul answers that too. He says, through his spirit in your inner being. Wow, what a concept. Through his spirit in your inner being. Jesus offers his spirit to live in us and to give us access to his glorious might, his glorious riches, all these things. Becoming Captain Ninja, if that is our goal, to have that strength to live our life, happens as we surrender to the work of the Spirit in our hearts, in our inner being. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says this, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, not by push-ups, not by bar lifts or whatever. How? By my spirit. That's what it says. How do you access all that? By my spirit. How am I going to get the power and the strength? By my spirit. That's how. So why? So we got the where, we got a how, and we got a why. Now this is like the no-brainer. Everyone's like, well, we know why. Why do we need power? Well, we need power. And I think about why do I need power? Well, I need power to lift heavy things to do push-ups if I'm ever going to do American Ninja. I'm going to need some power for that. To be a good dad. To be strong. To resist evil. To be confident. To be bold. To be patient. To be successful in anything I do. I'm going to need power. I'm going to need strength. I need help. It's kind of a, a weird way that Paul puts it. He answers the question. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's what he says why. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I think it's kind of a weird way to answer that question. It's not how I would answer it. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's saying we're strengthened to become a home. We're strengthened to become a home for the presence of God, a dwelling place. 
In Isaiah 66, God says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? And if you were in the Old Testament timing, you would have read that. You would have said, it's the temple. Okay, we got to build a temple. And they built a temple. And if God would have said, well, where's my resting place? They'd say, okay, let's clean up the temple. Maybe it's a mess. God, he's asking about his resting place. That's where he wants to be, isn't it? But the truth is, and the plan all along was that God said, I I may rest there, but my hope and my plan and my desire is that I would rest in you, that you would be a temple for my presence, that you would house my very spirit, my presence in you, my living presence. So we are strengthened to be a home in our inner being for the very presence of Jesus. That's powerful. And... Becoming Captain Ninja will require trust. We talked about faith last week. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We talked about faith as trust. It's going to take strength to trust. Here's the problem. Getting the strength to trust is something that I can't do. It's something I don't have. And we're going to need supernatural power to be able to trust him in order to access the the power he has. It's this amazing, incredible thing. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So that's the picture. Where's my confidence? My confidence is that, not that I'm going to be able to trust him enough. My confidence is that he's going to keep doing the work he started. That he's going to finish the work he started in me And carry it through to the end. That's what I'm confident in. That's what I'm going to trust in. That's what I'm learning to trust in. And being able to live in that confidence takes strength. And that's the incredible thing. To be able to rest in who he is and who I am. To learn to be vulnerable. To be humble. To be a leader like Jesus is a leader. To be yourself. To be his child. I'm going to need strength from him for all of that. So... For all of these points, Captain Ninja, love mom, and I made a dad to-do list because I think dads always end up with to-do lists, at least at our house. That's the case. So I thought you shouldn't leave Father's Day without a to-do list. This is really important. So your dad to-do list to become Captain Ninja is this. Invite Jesus to make his home in you. Invite Jesus to make his home in you. And then ask him to fill you by his spirit. That's your to-do. Learning to trust is a gift. Becoming Captain Ninja is a gift. Being able to do that. It's a gift. You ask the Father, and what, God, what Jesus says is, if you ask him, he's happy to give the Holy Spirit to you. In fact, he always says yes. He loves to give the Holy Spirit. So just ask, and you'll receive. That's the promise. That's Captain Ninja. Second, our second characteristic, special name would be Love Muffin. Now, again, in our family, my dad taught me a lot about muffins. Love Muffins. He makes muffins. This is kind of an ode to my dad, I guess. Isn't it? A little bit. He makes muffins, but he taught me about being a Love Muffin. And Love Muffin, really, it's that, it's the, to me in my mind when I picture that, I picture like someone who's soft and they are lovey. And in our house, it was like dad would read the after-dinner reading or something he was reading and you very often he'd break down into get quiet 
he'd kind of get a little bit choked up and then he would finish his reading kind of broken up. And I found like, as I was, have been reading with my kids too, suddenly that's happening to me. I'm like, oh no, this is the dad thing. I'm getting all clumped up in my throat. I can't talk. That's like, that's how I picture love muffin. You know, um, I picture also my dad's many romantic pursuits of my mother. How he would, he would pursue her and he was so romantic. They had their BBBB, DDDD. They had their special acronym thing. Best buddy, beautiful Brian or something. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't beautiful. But they have their name. They know it. I don't know all the names. But BBBDDD. And he would sweep her up in the kitchen with a kiss. Those are the things I remember. I remember my dad serving her and serving us. And those are things that when I picture love demonstrated, that's what I picture. Paul says, um, he has this little phrase that we could almost miss as we talk about, we move into talking about love. And I think it's so easy as we often, maybe you've read this passage a lot, we just skip over it. And the phrase is being rooted and grounded in love. Being rooted and grounded in love. And I think it's easy to miss and it's important that we don't because good things grow in the ground of love. Good things grow in the ground of love. We, we can't emphasize it too much. We can't talk about love too much or how important it is or how challenging it is. We can't do that enough because that's what rooted and grounded means. It means, can you talk about the ground too much if you're talking about gardening? Can you talk about the earth too much? If you, no, that's the thing you're planting in. It's, the, it's what you're building out of. And that's what love is. Jesus says love is the first and greatest commandment in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Paul says that without love, your spiritual actions have no meaning. Your spiritual actions have no meaning without love. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. He also says in that same passage that out of faith, love, and hope, the greatest is love. The greatest is love. Jesus says love was the motivator for our rescue, for sending Jesus to come and rescue us. It was love. That's John 3.16. Paul says nothing can separate you from his love. That's in Jesus. Romans 8.39. Paul says to do everything in love. Do everything in love. In 1 Corinthians 16.14. He also says in Galatians 5.6, the only thing that counts is faith, expressed in love. Faith expressed in love. And Peter says love covers a multitude of sins. That's a lot of importance on love. What does that ground look like? Colossians 3.14 says, and over all these virtues, and he just gave a big long list of all these great things we should be and do. And at the end of it, he says, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's like when Jesus says, all the other commandments hang on, that, on these, on love. Love God, love your neighbor. So this week I'm thinking about this. I'm like, you know, writing and planning. I'm sermonizing, sermon prepping. And I realized that um, I should put this into practice, that the ground of love is where things grow. And so I was driving Elijah to soccer practice, and we had the music, and I'm in my head. I'm probably thinking about my sermon. It's like really quiet. You know, this is how our car rides go. Thinking, thinking. And then I was like, man, I should put this into practice. So I turned off the music, and I said, hey, Elijah. And I started telling him all the reasons why I'm proud of him, all the things I see in him that are amazing. 
and I just spoke blessing and love over him. And I took that moment, that opportunity that we don't take very often because it can almost feel awkward. Whoa, what's going on? And yet, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm feeding, I'm creating uh, an opportunity for love to grow things in his heart, in his life, speaking life over him. And that is what we're called to do with one another as well. Good things grow in the ground of love. And the second part of that in our passage is that God's love is so big. God's love is so big. We're going to need strength to comprehend it, just to understand it. That's what Paul says, to know this love. And the definition for the word comprehend, there's a whole bunch of meanings to that Greek word. And the different meanings are, it's interesting, grasp, lay hold of, apprehend, come upon, find, overtake, obtain, learn. These are all meanings for that word. And I, when I think about it, I think, hmm, that's interesting. That almost sounds like how we use the expression, get it, to get it. Oh, you should get it. We say, oh, you need to get it. We're talking about you need to get it, like you need to understand it, and you need to get it like have it. And all those meanings are wrapped up in this word, to comprehend, to grasp, to get it. Now, as we're talking about God's love, there is an illustration that I found that I think helps a little bit, helps us to to get a little bit of what Paul's saying. And so I've done it with some of you before, but we're going to do it this morning. So I'd like you to close your eyes, and you're going to have to use your imagination, so engage your imagination with me. And what we're going to do is we're going to picture ourselves standing on the beach at White Rock. And you're just, it's kind of a rocky beach there, and so you're down near the water, and you can kind of go in, tip your toes in. It's kind of cold. And then we're going to get like lifted up like we're in California Adventure Ride or something. And we're going to start zooming out over the ocean water. And so we're going to zoom out. And, and so if you just picked up, you're out over the ocean, you're skimming the top, your toes almost touch, and we're zooming out into the ocean. And we're going to go out through the strait and we're going to go, we're going to have to go really fast though. So we're going to zoom all the way across the top, the northern part of the Pacific Ocean. And we're going to go till we would hit Russia up there in the north, and then we're going to turn uh, left. So then you're going to come, you're going to keep the land on your right side. We're just going to keep the hug the coast. We're going down there. We're going to pass through the Sea of Japan. We're going to pass all those. There's a bunch of Asian countries. Then we're going to hit all sorts of islands. There's the Philippines. There's Indonesia. We're going to zoom through all, all these islands. Stay over the ocean, though. We're zooming out over the ocean, and we're zooming through these islands, and eventually we're going to hit Australia if we zoomed really fast. And as we hit Australia, we're going to cut around Australia and where we hit New Zealand be there too and we're cut through New Zealand and we're then into the Indian Ocean and we're going to have to leave the land to cut across the Indian Ocean and zooming really really fast we're going to zoom all the way across the Indian Ocean till we hit kind of up near India and then we're going to turn left again and we're going to keep the coast on your right side and we're going to zoom around into that uh, cove near there in Africa and we're going to zoom down the coast of Africa all the way down to the Horn. And then we're going to come around into the Atlantic Ocean, the South Atlantic. And we're going to zip up, and we're going to keep Africa on your right, and we're going to zip, keep close to the coastline. We're going to zip all the way up over the ocean, all the way up to where the Mediterranean comes in. We could go in there, but that's going to take a bunch more time. So we're just going to skip the Mediterranean. There's a lot of ocean in there too. And we'll just keep going north. And we're going to go up until we uh, get into the, the near England and the, and the North Atlantic. And we're going to come all the way around by the Arctic, and all the way down near Greenland, we're going to keep that all on your right until we get to Canada. Yeah, Canada. And we're zipping down Canada, and we hit the United States. And we're going down by the United States until we pass Florida, and we're going into the Gulf. 
and we stay on the ocean. We're going on down on, down through central. We could now we could cut through the Panama Canal again, but we don't. We want to cover the least this part. So we're going to keep going south, and we're going to go down by South America all the way up around Brazil. We're going to go down, 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 all the way down to the Horn in the South Atlantic, and then we're going to cut around to the South Pacific, and then we're going to keep. South America on your right, and we're going to cut up. There's Chile's right there. We're going to keep going north and cut all the way back up. Up, 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 up. And we're going to keep going, keep going. So we hit Central America, and then we're going to hit the United States, California, Oregon. We're going to get almost there, and we're back to White Rock Beach. And that's just the top of it. You guys, that's just the top of it. Just the top. May you have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. The ocean is just, it's like a little picture to help us get how big it is what we're talking about. How far it goes, God's love how deep it really is. And if we got it, if we glimpsed it, if we could grasp it, we would be changed. We would be changed. See, being a great dad or mom or sister or brother or really anything requires that we begin to understand the love of God, that we begin to get it. It says in 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, Jesus doesn't love you because you're a great dad or mom or brother or sister or friend or whatever you think of yourself as being. Jesus doesn't love you because of that. Jesus loves you because God is love. Because God is love. And this love came to find you when you were broken and you were lost. It says you were his enemy. That love came and found you and rescued you and set you on a rock. And that love will always seem a bit too lavish. It will always seem a bit hard to get because of just how big it really is. So my dad to do for becoming a love muffin is this. Ask God to help you understand and to know his love found in Christ. This is not a theology teaching point knowing like, oh, I know it so I can teach it now, but a knowing in your heart that you've experienced his love. That's what you ask God for, that it would transform you, that as you embrace grace, it would transform your family, the way you live, the relationships you're in. The more you get God's love, the more a love muffin you become. And our third and favorite dad characteristic, Mr. Beer Belly. I just want to say the word beer, really. I remember my grandpa had a big belly. It wasn't a beer belly, it was just a belly. And so I always thought of grandpas like, this is what they get. And it wasn't like a fat belly. It was like, I thought it was like a watermelon under his shirt. Like, it was, he was a farmer, he was tough, he like, he was muscled, muscled, but like he had a belly. It's just the way it was. And I thought this was like a God gift for grandpas that at some point when you become a grandpa, you get a big belly. And that's just how your kid, grandkids know you and they love you. And sure enough, I talked to Lauren and her grandpa had a, a big belly too. 
And he was actually really proud of his belly because he'd survived starvation. He'd survived the Russian Revolution. And so when he came to Canada and he could eat whatever he wanted, he was like, this is a blessing and I'm going to enjoy it. And my kids are going to enjoy it. And so he was really proud of his belly. He was like, this is a belly. I earned this belly. This is, this is full to the fullness. And in my mind, that's kind of when I picture bellies because of that, probably not every belly, but like when I picture that, I think of like full to the fullness. That's why like it's a life well lived. It's like you're a grandpa. You can do whatever you want. You can have a belly if you want now because you're full. You, you've lived a full life. And Paul talks about being filled with all the fullness. And I think when I think about me or maybe other dads or just people in general, there's this sense in which we want more of a lot of things, like more techno toys, more cool gadgets. I can't go in the tool section of the store without wanting more tools. And I don't even use tools. Like I get them and I don't even know what they do, but I just, I need them. I don't know why, but I need tools. And, or like TV screen. It's like, there's something in me that's like, I can have a big TV screen and I just, I want a little bit more TV screen. And then I just want a little more TV screen. Like we could have the whole side of the house would be a TV screen. I'd still want a little bit bigger TV screen. I don't know why that is. There's something that just wants more. More sports games or for me, more apps, you know, to count. Six would be nice, actually. But here's the thing. We need, we're going to need strength to be filled with something that's not just going to be this revolving door. And as we go and we look for things to fill us, there's so many things that we think is going to satisfy and it doesn't. And we need a little more. We need a little more. And to be filled with the fullness of God, which is the promise that we could be filled and feel filled, is that we're going to need strength. And I think the reason is because before you can be filled, you also will need to be emptied. We're going to need to be emptied of our shame and our struggle and our failures and the guilt we carry and our disappointments, the dreams that died. We thought, oh, that's going to be, and then never came to be. Our struggle to be something or to achieve something, to do something great. Our desperate need for love. We're going to have to be emptied of these things. We're going to have to lay them before him before we can be truly filled. Paul says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I think that kind of filling isn't like a one-stop shop. Like you go and you get filled and then you did it. Oh yeah, you did it. Yeah, I did it five years ago. I got filled. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, so I got filled. Yeah, it's great. No, it's been filled. I think it's a little bit more like a continual filling. Maybe because we're, we're described as like the broken jars of clay. So it's like, oh, I'm being filled. I'm filled. Oh yeah, no, where did it all go? Oh man, it's gone. Okay, let's fill me again. Okay, I'm full. I'm full. Where'd it go? Oh, it's gone. Because that's what it feels like to be in these broken jars of clay. We get filled and, oh, where did it go? And so I think it's a continual filling that we're under. There's this place where we are being filled and being filled and being filled. First Chronicles 16:11, which is echoed in Psalm 105, verse 4, says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And that sounds more like what I feel, which is that I have to keep going to him and you have to keep going to him and saying, fill me again, fill me again. I want to be filled to the fullness. So would you fill me again and fill me again? Because of that, I think there's one, if there's one spiritual discipline that stands out in my life as if, if I lost that one, it would affect a lot of other places, although lots of them are important, would be 
my quiet time, my time with God that I get and that I take. And that's like the time where I'm in the word and get to read and be, fill, be encouraged. Where I pray, I lay my requests before him and I listen and I have him speak to my heart. And so I would encourage you that quiet time is one of those, regardless of the season of your life, you might have a brand new baby. Some of you do. And you might have all your kids are teenagers or your kids are grown up or moved out or maybe you don't have any kids. Regardless, there's seasons of life and sometimes it's harder than other seasons to fit that time in and find it. But I want to encourage you that being filled means that I'm coming before him and I'm being filled by him and his presence. And so I have to do that. I have to seek him continually and come before him. I like that Paul ends his prayer with now to him. I like that, that he ends with turning his face to the Father. I was talking to someone this week, and they made the joke like, oh, so you're preaching, are you going to do a sermon about how bad dads are and how much we need to improve? And I was like, oh, yeah, we, made, we joked about it. And then actually someone else later, some, a different place, they were talking about like, yeah, moms get the encouraging sermons and dad get the, you're not doing very well, do better sermons. I was like, really? Oh, we do? This is really sad if that's how we feel and think about Father's Day. But you know what? (laughs) The truth is, I'm working between general levels of failure in different areas, and that's just the, the reality. If I walk out my life, if I get it together, it's not for very long before something goes off the rails. That's kind of how it is for me, and just I'll be honest with you. So, like, you know, I get all, everything's right in the world, and then it doesn't take very long before, boop, something goes wrong. And I realize, ah, I'm failing in this area. Oh, this, this is a struggle, and I'm not doing well here. I could make the list really quickly of all the places I need to improve, all the places I need to do better in. So I'm reassured by Paul's ending statement. Now to him. Not to me, but to him. How am I going to be Captain Ninja? How am I going to get more strength and more power? Now to him. How, about, how am I going to become a love muffin? How am I going to be rooted in grasping love? Now to him. How am I going to be Mr. Beerbelly, full of fullness, abundantly more? Now to him. He who is able to do it. That's what Paul says. And he says, far more abundantly. Last week we talked about trust as being the sail to catch the wind. And it's a beautiful picture. And as we talk about faith, that we would, that faith is that thing that, that's, that asks for more, that sees more. Faith is charging champions on the field, uh, charging Goliath. Faith sees the chariot angel armies. And faith leaps from the boat. And faith is trusting in the storm. But it's not a faith that I manufacture. It's not a faith that I deserved or I earned somehow. It's according to the power that is at work within us. It's because he's working in me that I receive faith and I'm able to walk forward and believe for things I can't see. Isaiah 40 verse 28 to 31 says this, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And not faint. And so my last dad to-do list 
you're writing them down. Dads, you should write these down. To-do lists. Moms, write them down for the dads, okay? Someone write it down. Here's your last one. Carve out some time somewhere in your day to be in his presence so you can be filled to the full. All this comes from him more than you could ask or imagine. It's a full belly. It's a full belly. And we access this unbelievable strength in him and through him and because of him. So it's a beautiful picture. So in conclusion, the strength to be great comes from God's power at work within us. Captain Ninja, our power is his power according to his glorious riches, and we access it through his spirit working inside of us. Love Muffin, love is the ground that grows, and so we are rooted in love. We're rooted in God's love, in Jesus, and we need strength to understand just how big it is, how far it goes, and how much it can cover us and impact us, how deep, big and deep and wide. And lastly, Mr. Beer Belly, I want to be filled to the fullness. I want to be confident and satisfied in him. And it's, it's to him who is able to do it. Way more than I could dream or imagine or even ask for. It's him. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for these pictures, these images. And I thank you that, um, that although we can get down on ourselves, we can be frustrated or we can see our failure, our struggle that uh, you are ever-present. You are working in every situation. God, I thank you that as you call us deeper into uh, relationship with you, into following you, into knowing you, that um, we are able to access your power. And we do that through your spirit alive in us, not because we're doing something amazing, but because you are. God, I thank you that um, your love is so big that it sent Jesus to come and to die on a cross to set us free so that we can enter into relationship with you. We thank you for that act, Lord, that that we could come to understand it more and how big and lavish your love really is. Would you help us to get it? And God, um, the last is that we would be able to be filled, filled to the full, not filled a little bit, but filled to the full, that we could experience all that you have for us as we trust you, as we believe for your kingdom coming and incredible things that you're doing. We love you, God. Amen.